1 to 3. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Genesis 12, 1 to 3. Genesis 12, 1 to 3. Genesis is the first book of the Bible, so you shouldn't have to go too far. Now the Lord has said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. Verse 2. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee. And make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. Verse 3. And I will bless them that bless thee. And curse him that curses thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So shall it be in Jesus' name. So this afternoon, we are going to continue the discussion we started in the morning. And we said the first thing that happened was that the Lord told Abraham to get out. And we asked ourselves some questions. Because the Lord is saying to somebody here today, get out. Get out from what? And we, we highlighted some things that the Lord was telling somebody. We said, number one, get out of poverty. We say, get out of stagnation. We say, get out of sickness. And we said, get out of the land of death and sick. I mean, of the land of, from the land of death into the land of the living. Amen. And finally, this morning, we said, get out of sin. Get out of sin. We are going to continue this afternoon. And the next thing that the Lord is telling someone from here to get out of it, get out of the unjust relationships. Get out of what? Unjust relationships. What's an example of an unjust relationship? An example is the case of Laban and Joseph. Because of love, Laban held Joseph captive for 14 years. I mean, Yes, Laban held Jacob captive for 14 years, right? Yes, and after that, Jacob served him for additional, uh, I think, six or seven years. But what was he doing? He was never satisfied. He kept changing the wages of Jacob. He kept finding ways to undercut Jacob. Until God one day told Jacob, go back. Yes, get out. Get out of this land. Get out of this unjust relationship. Because of, Laban himself said it. He said, I have seen that because of you, God has done what? God has blessed me. Yet, that did not make him to treat Jacob right. You know, that's where we see the folly of trying to do things, trying to uh, expect God's blessing for doing things the way of the world. What we call wisdom at times. That's why the Bible says, the wisdom of God is what? No, no. The foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of men. Human, human wisdom I mean, uh, expects that since Laban had seen that because of Jacob, God was blessing him. How should he treat Jacob? How should he treat him? I mean, as if, ah, no, this man, what do you want? I'll give it to you. But instead, he showed him that he was a true human being. 
And that's why, brethren, it's only God that can bless. And I see God trying to bless someone here today. And he will bless you in Jesus' name. I say, we will bless you in Jesus' name. In Genesis 31, from verse 13 to verse 15, we see God telling Jacob, depart, get out of this relationship. It is not faithful. It's not a good one. Next thing is, the Bible, the Lord is telling someone here, get out of bondage and oppression. Amen. And what does that mean? It means, begin to be useful for yourself. Tell somebody, begin to be useful for yourself. Very important. We highlighted something in the morning which I'm going to highlight right now. Jacob was a servant to Laban, even though he was his son-in-law. But until Jacob pulled out of the covering of Laban and began to work for himself on his own, that it was then that the Bible says Jacob became what? Exceedingly great. He flourished. And somebody here will flourish. I remember the Lord gave us that word during, uh, during the course of, I think it was the day we had our praise here, that someone here will flourish. Amen. But you must be determined to flourish. There comes a point in time that you have to pull out of the, of the covering of your, uh, of your monthly salary and de be determined that I want to go the way God wants me to go because it's time to do what? To flourish. And you will flourish in Jesus' name. I said you flourish in Jesus' name. Get out of your comfort zone. Get out of what? Today is the covenant day of blessing. There are some, some of us who are not experiencing what we, what we thought we would experience from God, not because God's hands are not stretched out to us, but because we have refused to receive. Tell somebody, begin to receive. You will receive of his goodness in Jesus' name. Get out of your comfort zone. The apostles of, of Jesus, after Christ had left, they refused to leave Jerusalem until they were driven out. What drove them out? Persecution. He already told them, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you shall be witnesses unto me. Where? In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the uttermost part of the earth. But they made up their mind that no, we are going to stay where? Jerusalem is comfortable enough. There's no need to go anywhere. And God said, well, if you will not go at my word, you will go because of persecution. That's essentially, essentially what, what eventually happened. Get out of your comfort zone. Get out of Jerusalem. There's work for you to do beyond Jerusalem. Don't settle for that for which you are, just, you are comfortable with and nothing else. Because there's much more out there. Tell somebody there's much more out there. And you will attain it in Jesus' name. So when the Lord is saying get out, how do you depart? You must depart in holiness. God will not compromise on that. See, that was why when you study this, the, the history of Abraham, we are made to understand that the fullness of God's promise for him did not come to pass until he truly separated from Lot. When Abraham departed, the Bible says he took with him Lord. But God told him, get out. Be separated from everybody. Only your household. Maybe that was even the reason he had no child at that point in time. So that he could just take his wife and get out. 
because the blessing God wanted to give him was over there. According to the laws of today, Isaac was a citizen of Canaan. Is that not so? According to the laws of today, is that not so? That's why he was born. Is it, is it not where you are born? Those who are born in Canada, what are they? Yeah, they are, they are not like those of us that uh, came with uh, immigrant uh, visa. And they say you have to do an exam for three years and all those things. You are born here, you become a citizen. America is even much more, their own is much more direct. You go and give birth to a child in America, they say it's an American citizen. You treat that child anyhow, they will take the child from you and deal with you. It's your own child, though. But you, you are a Nigerian. This child is an American. <laughs> and there's a world of difference between the two of you. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. You depart in holiness. And one thing we highlighted in the morning is that until you depart, you don't begin to see. It's when you depart that you begin to see revelations. It's when you depart. It's when you get out of that situation that you are in. Of that place where you have settled, where you ought to have moved forward. When you depart from that place of stagnation, that the Lord begins to open your eyes to revelations. Revelations that will establish you in your new place. The Lord will open your eyes to see those revelations in Jesus' name. Amen. And we said Jacob left his father's house before he had the encounter with God at Bethel. In Genesis 31, verse 11 to 12. Jacob already departed from his father's house. Going on his own journey, and then God met him when he, when, when he took, when he stayed the night at Bethel. There are seven promises of God that the Lord gave to Abraham in the passage that we read. Seven promises. The first promise is, the Lord said, I will make of thee a great nation. And that is God's promise to someone here today. He's saying, he will make of thee a great nation. Tell somebody, he will make of me. A great nation. You will be great in Jesus' name. Amen. Now look at the second promise. He simply said, I will bless thee. That's an unqualified blessing. God is simply telling someone here today, I will do what? I will bless thee. You know, in the book of, I believe it's Haggai. When the Lord was saying, he said, from this day, the 24th day of the month of September, I will do what? I will bless thee. He said the ninth month. No, he actually said the, he the seventh month. But he said, from this day, the 24th day of the month, I will do what? I will bless thee. And the Lord is saying the same thing to someone here today. He said, from today, from this fourth day of October, the Lord is telling someone, I will bless thee. If you receive it, it shall come to pass. I said, if you receive it, it shall come to pass. Number three, he said, I will make your name great. Yeah. Who is the Lord talking to, to here? I will make, in other words, you know, you are looking up, you know, you are looking up to, no, is it to or at? You are looking at some people and you say, ah, this one is a great man. But you see, there is greatness by men. There is greatness by God. When God makes you great, you can't compare when any man tries to make you great. Is that not so? Men can try. But all they can do is do what? Is try. But it doesn't take God 24 hours to make you what he wants to make you. 
you will agree with me that men failed on the case of Joseph. Is that not so? Everyone that wanted to help him, contrary to divine injunction, they failed. But the day that God made up his mind that he would help Joseph, somebody had a dream. Who was that person? The leader of the land itself had a dream. And before anybody could ask what is going on, I mean, Joseph became the prime minister of Egypt. And I know God has made up his mind to help someone here today. Receive that help in Jesus' name. I said, receive that help in Jesus' name. So, the third thing he said, I will make thy name great. Number four, he said, thou shall be a blessing. That's even better than saying, I will bless you. Because if you are a blessing, there's no way your blessings can run dry. You are not the Dead Sea. As blessings are coming unto you, and God sees that this, my son, is a blessing to others. This, my daughter, is a blessing to others. I will, make, I will continue to bless this one because God will bless one person and hundreds are enjoying it. Unlike those who are, who are like Nigerian politicians. Whatever comes in is not going anywhere. If I can't spend it, I will put it in the PVC. Is that not, is that, that's their own theory. That type of blessing is not from God. You know, the Bible says the blessing of God, it does what? And adds what? Adds no sorrow unto it. That is God's blessing. That's what God has in store for someone here today. God will make you a blessing in Jesus' name. Now look at the next thing that God said. He said, I will bless those that bless thee. You see, not only is God going to bless you, because people now see that God has blessed you, they say, ah, I want the blessing of this man. I want the blessing of this woman to rub up for me. So I will do what? I will bless him. I will bless her. Because I know if I bless her, I will also enjoy God's blessing. And brethren, when you read the history of nations, you will find out that this blessing that God pronounced upon Abraham is still working on Israel up till today. The nations that are making it here on earth are those that are friendly to Israel. The nation, America, the richest people in that country called America, those that make noise, those that are silent, and the funny thing is that you think those who are the richest are those that have their riches on the stock exchange. No, they are not. There are people that hold the wealth of that nation that don't talk. But they know them. Even this our wonderful uh, uh, Canada. Go and do a study of the riches of this nation. There's no way you can put the Jews aside on the riches of Canada. The same thing in Great Britain. Even in Germany where they try to exterminate them. The wealthiest in that country today. And it's the same all over the world. When God says, I will bless those that bless thee. Some nations were doing well until they turned against Israel. And things began to go down for them. That will not be your portion in Jesus' name. I pray for someone here today. You will not turn your back on what will bless you. Amen. You will not turn your back on those that will help you. Amen. You will not turn your back on those that God wants to use to lift you up. Amen. The blessing of God will be your portion in Jesus' name. Amen. He said, I will curse him that cursed thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. It's very instructive, brethren, that Abraham obeyed the Lord. And we have said, he took Lot with him, 
But that delayed some things. But Abraham obeyed the Lord. Now, God re-emphasized his blessings and promise to Abraham in Canaan. And Abraham responded by building an altar to the Lord. By doing what? He built an altar to the Lord. An altar is built for sacrifice. An altar is not meant for decoration. Like someone said, he said an altar is a meeting point of spirits. An altar is a place of spiritual exchange. When you decide to give a sacrifice unto the Lord, the Lord honors it. And the sacrifice you will give today, God will honor in Jesus' name. Amen. I said God will honor in Jesus' name. Amen. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 7. Genesis 12, 7. The Bible says, And the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there built he an altar to the Lord, who appeared unto him. The Lord is calling someone here to, and he's telling somebody, Build me an altar. Tell somebody, Build God an altar. And as you build him that altar, he will fulfill his word in your life in Jesus' name. Amen. On his next move, when Abraham moved from that point, he did exactly the same thing he had, did, he had done previously. He built an altar unto the Lord to possess that land for his descendants. Is somebody with me this morning or this afternoon? Abraham built an altar unto the Lord to possess the land for who? For his descendants. You know, a man of God made an observation. And I found it to be true. Everywhere Muslims get to, what's the first thing they do? No, it's not, they don't, it's not buy houses. They will, they will carry their mat, go and find a place. I like it's 2 o'clock. I don't know what time, what time they pray. Is it 2 o'clock? I think there's a prayer or 12, whatever time. They will take their mat, go and put it down, and they begin their, what do they call that thing? <laughs> Oblation, prayers, whatever. What are they doing there? They are building altars. You are looking at them and saying, let them just do their own thing. But gradually, gradually, they overtake the land. And that's what they do. That's why Britain today, they are, all they are doing is they are making noise. The minority have overtaken the land. A land that was built on the foundations of Christianity. Today, most of them are What's the word? They don't care about God. And the Muslims care. They know what they are doing. They are gradually overrunning that country. That's the plan everywhere. What am I trying to bring out? The, the first one that gets their abuse and altar, he kneels down, he puts his head on the ground, he bows to, the, to that ground, he begins to chant all those things. All of them are beginning to do it on a continuous and regular basis. Then our brethren, we say pray. To pray for 30 minutes is a problem. To even pray in the morning is a problem. Some of us, once we begin to speak in tongues, God is in trouble. Oh, yes. Because we wake up in the morning, we are, it's time to pray. There's no prayer. Hallelujah. Amen. In Jesus' name. You put, put bronze, put blood, you are off. It's off. That's over for the day. You have done your, what do you call that one? For the rest of the day, no, there's no thought about God. Until you come back at night. Then you remember you have not read the Bible today. You make sure you pick up that Bible when you are lying down on your bed. 
What does that tell you? The Bible becomes your sleeping tablet. Because you know, the moment you open Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, before you get to verse 3, you are snoring. But if you put on that, uh, that family video you want to watch, you can watch it for the next three hours. God will have mercy in Jesus' name. What am I trying to bring out? The issue of an altar. There is something in the house called a family altar. But that family altar is empty. It's crying. It's void. There's no sacrifice on it. There's no prayer on it. The Bible, there's no Bible reading on it. Abraham built an altar. That same point where Abraham built an altar, you know what happens there? That was the same spot that Jacob slept. You know, Abraham gave back to uh, Isaac. Isaac gave back to Jacob. Jacob was running away from Esau. He got to a place he was tired and he slept. But he didn't know. That was the place his father, his grandfather had built an altar long ago when he came from Haran. He had an encounter with God. Because an, an, an altar was there. The altar you are going to build today with your sacrifice is an eternal altar. It's an altar that will be remembered not only for you, but for your children. Amen. It's an altar that will establish you in this land. In Genesis 28, verse 10 to 22, we'll see where, I mean, that, that's talking about the altar that Jacob built. Now, when uh, in Genesis 35, when the Lord told Jacob to get out of the land of Haran, where Laban belonged, it was to return to this particular place called Bethel. God told in Genesis chapter 35 verse 1, God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and do what? Dwell there. Dwell there. No wonder, Psalm 27 verse 4, the psalmist said, One thing have I desired, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To inquire in his mouth, to behold the beauty of the Lord. You must dwell in his presence. You must dwell in his house. God told Jacob, that place your grandfather built an altar. The same place you built an altar. Go back there. Go back there. In 1 Kings chapter 18, 1 Kings chapter 18 from verse 30 to verse 39. We know that passage very well. Elijah and the prophets of Baal. The prophets of Baal caught themselves and said, Oh, Baal, hear us. And all those things. He said, Oh, maybe he has gone on a journey. Maybe he's sleeping. Shout louder. But the Bible tells us that he that keepeth Israel, neither does what? He neither sleeps or slumber. The God, the, the God that the Baal uh, prophets worship, he can sleep. It can slumber, and in fact, it can refuse to wake up because you are around. Amen. I hope you realize that. Yes, because you are there, he can do what? He can refuse to wake up. Yes. And after you are gone, he will discipline his disciples. Say, don't you, you wanted me to come out when that man was here? Like I always say, even the devil does not want to die. When the devil sees death, what, what does he do? He runs. But the first thing the Bible says Elijah did, when he told people to come here, was that he repaired the altar of the Lord, which was broken down. Today, 
the Lord is calling on to somebody. There's an altar you need to repair because God wants to bless you. I said, there's an altar you need to repair because God wants to bless you. We have prayed, we have celebrated, we have rejoiced. God has spoken. Everyone has spoken, he wants to fulfill. But you must repair that altar, oil it, and put a sacrifice on it. When Elijah put the sacrifice upon the altar, he just said, hear, oh Lord, hear me. Let these people know that you have called me. That whatever I have done, I have not done at my own word, but at your word. The Bible says, before he finished speaking, what happened? Fire fell from above. Consumed the sacrifice. And the people began to shout, Elijah. Elijah. In other words, they were saying, the Lord, he is God. That's the meaning of Elijah. Elijah means the Lord is God. They began to shout, the Lord, he is God. When God will have completed what he wants to do in your life, you will be a testimony. Amen. When God will have completed the transformation that he's doing in your situation, men and women will look at you and say, wow, your God is God. Amen. Your God is the Lord. Amen. Your God is truly a God of blessing." God wants to prove in the life of someone here today that he is God. But in order for him to perfect what he wants to do, you need to build him an altar. You need to build him an altar. You need to bring your worthy offering upon that altar. And like I said in the morning, your worthy offering does not depend on how big your offering is. That your, your, your seed no matter how big it is, it cannot be bigger than God. Can it? But have you made up your mind that you want to sow a seed to the living God today? Because it's a day that we call our covenant day of blessing. Whatever seed you have brought to the living God today, we are going to pray upon it now. But before we do, says anybody in the house or online, who has not given his or her life to Christ? That is a certain point. You cannot establish a covenant with God when you have not given your life to him. You cannot establish a covenant with God when he does not know you. you are the reason.